lot has happened since our last episode, and probably the biggest piece of news is the second Eric Carlson blockbuster trade. And this one is probably going to be talked about for decades because of the broader impact it could have on the hockey world at large. We will dig deep, we will explain what the Sharks gain, what the Habs gain as the third team in, and whether or not this trade makes the Pittsburgh Penguins better, and if so, by how much. Uh, we also have a handful of signings uh, to discuss, um, and one in particular that we will dig into next week. Episode 376 of the Lace Month Podcast starts right now. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. Full disclosure, this is a live newsroom on my end of things, so if you hear background noise, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, secondly, a housekeeping note, we do know that Austin Matthews has been extended. We do know that next year he will be the highest paid player in the league, and we will give that story the attention it deserves next week, along with Evan Bouchard and a couple of other uh, RFA signings uh, down the line and whatever other hockey news comes out. Uh, that'll be for the next edition of the Lace Em Up podcast. Before we get to the meat and potatoes of today's show, Brett, uh, unfortunately, we do have a bit of sad news in the hockey world to pass along first. Yeah, um, unfortunately. And on that note, I just want to mention that because of our new format with the 15 minutes, we've been gone for about a month now. Uh, so yeah. I guess it's something that we should have realized that it was going to happen where it's like, yeah. oh, right, right. Yeah, there's a couple of bit of news. So uh, we've, we felt that like there's like, like maybe like three big things that we would have covered if it was a weekly episode. Um, but, uh, but then we we're just like, okay, maybe we just have to hope that this week is even slower or something so that, cause if we, we could talk about the Matthew signing and the Bouchard signing, but then I figured like, that's going to take us the entire 15 minutes of the rapid fire. So I was just like, you know what, let's just push it to next week. And, um, yeah. we'll go from there. Um, okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so we will start off the show. Uh, with some sad news as well. Um, yeah, uh, we that was another thing too where I felt like it was a little strange to talk about someone who died or two people who have died um, in the hockey community. Um, and I was like, I don't know if we need to like put that into the rapid fire. It just feels distasteful. So um, so I decided, so we're gonna talk about the, the passing away of two people who meant a lot in the hockey community. Um, and we'll start out, and both of these people were, like, one was, like, just, uh, like, was a prospect and was just about to go on to, um, go on to, like, being a great hockey player, um, hopefully, or, you know, like, uh, you would, uh, think, you never know with prospects, of course, but, um, but uh, but yeah, he uh, I'm I'm talking about Rodion Amirov, who was a 2020 um, draft pick by the Toronto Maple Leafs um, in the 15th overall pick. 
Uh, he was he played in uh, the KHL for a few years, but then um, two years ago, uh, Rodion was diagnosed with um, this is from his agent uh, Don Milstein, by the way. Uh, two years ago, Rodion was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Uh, from the moment he received the news, he refused to speak in the negative, determined to enjoy every day, facing it with the positive attitude he showed during his hockey career. We will always remember his courage, his desire, his will, his smile, all the great things about him. We'd like to thank his doctors who took great care of him. We'd like to thank the Toronto Maple Leafs and his KHL, uh, Salavat uh, Yulayev, a UFA team. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, both did everything possible to help in any way, do, what, do whatever was necessary to afford Rodion and the Amiroff family. And we'd like to thank hockey fans all over the world who sent notes of encouragement and best wishes over the past two years. They meant so much to the Amiroff family. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's sad and, um, you know, cancer sucks. It's, but of course it's, it's a part of life. Um, and yeah, it's just the, the sad part about it is just that like, you know, we don't, we'll never know, uh, what he was capable on the hockey side of things of course um this like news like this it was like you know it's far more important um like just the human element of everything um and it's not just that like he's a hockey player and all that stuff but um but yeah it's just it's just sad and i was hearing all these stories about like um how the maple leafs were going to put him on to scrimmage and then like a couple of his doctors were saying like actually this is very serious and um that just shows to like how much determination he had um in his young life uh that like he was like even with cancer uh, cancer diagnosis he was still thinking like you know what i'm gonna play in the toronto in, in toronto for all that and uh yeah it's just um yeah, my heart goes out to everyone who knew him, especially his family and friends. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I assume you also share the same sentiment as well. Yeah, and especially when he didn't really get, you know, the chance to really live out his hockey dream. Yeah. Um, like, to play with the Leafs full-time even. Um, and, you know, at, at such a young age, you know, just, just not even getting the chance to live out his life. It, it's really unfortunate. It, it eats your heart out, but um, it, it just just tears away your soul uh, when you hear a story like that. But when when you hear the stories of you know him refusing to think about the negatives and always looking at the positives, just shows you the character that he, that he displayed on and off the ice. And uh, what what a what a great human that uh, I, I wish a lot of hockey fans. Uh, got to meet and unfortunate uh, that uh, we won't get to see his personality on the ice and uh, what what he could do in this league but uh, just uh, just as a member of society I think uh, he, he'd, he'd be a really good guy to get to know but uh, uh, ho hopefully um, uh, for for his family and his friends that uh, they they were um, around in his in his final moments to to at least give him a final goodbye. Um, moments like that, you 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 don't really prepare for. Uh, like we all we all know that death is inevitable in some way, shape, or form. But 
when it hits, uh, it's very unexpected, and, and we're not prepared for that kind of moment. So I'm uh, just thinking of uh, his family and friends right now who are probably taking this a lot harder than the average hockey fans right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I can't even come up with another segue here, but uh, I, I guess t- because I started off this, uh, this show when I was saying how, like, these two people, the next person is also... He kind of is on the other end of the spectrum of um, of where Rodian Amirov was at, because uh, he was a legend. Uh, he also was an announcer, play-by-play announcer for the Buffalo Sabres. I'm uh, talking about Rick Jenneret. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm just reading his Wikipedia here. Um, for he he, uh, he announced games for the Buffalo Sabres, um, and he was, uh, and it says here that. He was the longest tenured play-by-play announcer with a single team in NHL history. Um, so, so of course you like we're losing a legend there, um, and I imagine he was like the you know because Buffalo would, isn't like a relatively new team compared in, in all sets of the word. I mean I know they've been around yeah, for a he, while. Yeah, he now. was the radio broadcaster yeah. for the Sabers when they faced Philly in the yeah. finals in like '74 or right, right. That's how long he's been around. Yeah, and it's um it's insane. And I remember um early on, like of course you hear like if you're if you go into like the hockey lore and hockey history, um he his most famous call was the Mayday, Mayday, Mayday call yeah. when Brad May got a game winning goal. Sadly, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's that's true. But you know that was before I was even born. So, um, but. Uh, but yeah, that, that was something else. And I remember, like in the early days of the internet, um, there was I, I started to uh, like comment a lot on the hockey subreddits, um, and um, and a lot of fans were were talking about like Rich and Rhett and all that stuff. And then when I um, first heard his name, I immediately like like I was like, oh, this guy is. Like, you know, like, oh, I want to hear more about this guy, even though he's just a radio host and all that stuff. It's not something you necessarily think about. But um, I just remember going into, like, a YouTube rabbit hole of, like, hearing all his calls. And it it was just amazing because then I was – and then I got jealous. I was like, oh, I wish wish he was the (laughs) the play-by-play for the Bruins Um, because it's like every – uh, down goes Brown, kind of um, on Puck Soup. Uh, he kind of said it best because, uh, like, everything he said, even though I was just watching the highlights of um, of his calls, um, like every every um, every like time, it was like a like even though he was known for all these nicknames and all that stuff. It was. It never seemed phony. It never seemed like um, like rehearsed or he was preparing for anything. Even though he might have actually came up with all these different nicknames, but like, but like it was always of the moment. You could tell that his heart was so into it, um, and that's what really made him into the guy um, and made him so legendary. Um, and the other thing that Down Goes Brown says is that like he like pretty much you like because he actually listened to this guy um because i guess like toronto and buffalo had like a like you could hear sabers games if you live in toronto and he grew up in toronto 
Um, and he was saying how, like, like he notices other announcers, like, kind of replicate this. And it's, like, that famous saying of uh, always duplicated, or, uh, sorry, never, uh, always replicated, but uh, never duplicated. Um, and we'll never see another, we'll never hear, we'll never see another Rick Jenneret again. Um, he, uh, he sadly, he uh, passed away from multiple organ failures, um, uh, which he uh, had started having in 2021 um, during his final season with the team. Uh, of course, he had like a standing ovation um, and he was able to go to the arena um, and, and get the applause and everyone was um, able to like tell him like you were you were a legend and uh, tell him how much he meant to to them in the Sabres and um, yeah it's 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 very sad as well it's um, on the other end because for Amirov it's like you're just sad because it's like we he, he didn't live a full life but for Jenneret it's like he did live a full life and it's just sad that he's gone um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, definitely, um, another part that's, that's very sad here. I'm also looking here too, where he, um, uh, he almost, uh, he had, um, it says here, I'm just reading the Wikipedia in 1971, Jenneret began working for the Sabres after Dave Hodge, the play-by-play man for the team's first season had unexpectedly won hockey night in Canada duties over the front runner for the position. Uh, Alex Trebek. So, if it wasn't for Alex Trebek, uh, Rick Jenneret's career may or may have been a different path. I'm sure he would still have been a play-by-play announcer somewhere, but maybe not that in Buffalo. So interesting. I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I'm just reading his Wikipedia. It's like, whoa, that's like such a weird, crazy thing. Imagine if Trebek got that. You, yeah. What would Jeopardy look like? Right, right, yeah. If, if Trebek got... Or, like, imagine Trebek doing Hockey Night in Canada. Um, that would be, that'd be <laughs> even crazier. But, yeah. anyways, we're getting sidetracked. Um, but uh, I just felt like that fact was so crazy. I was like, oh, okay, well, I should bring this up, too. Um, but, yes, yeah. what... Um, he just just an absolute legend and yep. like you said a dying breed of broadcasters there with the team for 50 plus years and this guy eats sleep li- uh eats sleep lived and breathed sabers yep. hockey and some might call him a homer which to be fair i think most broadcasters yep. are too it's a hard not to a yep. homer i mean they represent a team after all it's hard but not to but yeah i he got the fans involved with his goal calls he yep. The, the main day you mentioned, but the la 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 Fontaine. Oh, right. Everyone remembers those goal calls. Yep. And, and the, this is a guy that's been with the team for 50 plus years. You got different generations of Sabres fans that grew up listening to his goal calls. And I think in a market that gets overshadowed, you know, by so many mm-hmm. uh, hockey markets, you know, you. Even the Islanders, when they had the 80s dynasty, probably everyone overlooked Buffalo. You have the Rangers, you have the Devils when they had those good teams in the 90s. A lot of people never really gave Buffalo the credit they deserved, and I think they were always the little brother in that little, unique New yep. York, New Jersey, Philly, Pittsburgh market. Mm. And I think Rick Jenneret, through and through, uh, supported this team and supported the fans and represented those fans as best as he could. 
and to them he will be their hero for life and um, just one of those guys you never imagine a world without him and unfortunately that time has come and he's no longer with us so condolences to um, the Generate family and yeah. uh, uh, it's it's a sad day for them but uh, they I'm sure are very proud to have known him for as long as they did yeah you know it's it's interesting too because that's another thing that Puck Soup had talked about too about the homerism it's like a lot of to, to bring it back to the Bruins I guess uh, a lot of people don't love Jack Edwards but for me a Bruins fan I love him because he speaks like you know he's a Bruins fan and yes he, he should be a little bit unbiased but at the same time it's like I don't want a, a play-by-play guy who doesn't like who speaks in a robotic voice the entire time yeah. You know, like you, you want a yeah. unique voice that that, that yeah. you don't forget, like a Harry Carey yeah. or Digny out in Seattle. Right, like Mariners fans love that man. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I I understand that Jack Edwards sometimes goes too far. Um, that that like Pat Maroon uh, incident last year, for instance. But um, but at the same time, it's like like I I feel like the other fans don't understand that like yeah we like. He's a Bruins fan. <laughs> like, like, what do you want from him? Do you would you rather him just like talk like, oh, the Bruins scored. All right, it's one nothing. Now let's get the puck. Yeah, go team. It's like so. I never understood that aspect of it. Um, and, yeah. Right, right, right. Exactly. So it's just like that would be awful. So it's I, I never understood that aspect of it. It's like yeah, like of course every. Um, anyways, I'm getting off of a tangent here, but, um, and I, and I do agree that Edward sometimes goes off the rails a little bit, but, um, but, you know, I, I, I always feel like this podcast, for instance, it's like, I'm a hardcore Bruins fan, you're a hardcore Sens fan, that's kind of how it goes, like, yeah, if you, if you want, like, a rational, like, like a like a unbiased opinion somewhere, then yeah, you can find another podcast. But that's kind of the appeal of this podcast for us is that we're all like we're we're hardcore into our teams, um, and yeah, hey, we. Brandon Gord Wilson is the yeah. color commentator. Tatum. Yeah. I've been like that since the Sens uh, beginning. Dave yeah. Schreiber is kind of like a Rick Jenner as yeah. well. Uh, and he's thankfully uh, still around, but no longer calling hockey games. But yeah. he's a very big local figure. Uh, covered, I think, CFL games for the Ottawa franchises when they were around. And uh, Dean Brown has this phrase uh, where if the puck's loose in the crease, he'll go scramble. <laughs> and, and again, that's one of those catchphrases. Like, I feel like if you're a broadcaster in the community that everyone knows you, there's that trademark catchphrase, and uh, for Dean Brown here in Ottawa, it's it's the scramble every right. time uh, there's chaos in the crease. Just to kind of like again, you if you're if you're in radio land, you're trying yeah. to paint a picture that you can't get on the TVs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I I think we like talk about like, um, like we we talk about the teams that we don't like like in a fair objective way and I can understand that aspect of it um but there you know I I like but at the same time it's like everyone's biased and that's a part of like the fun part about hockey is you have to like you get your emotion into it 
Um, and, you know, um, so, um, which is, I guess, a good segue because the Montreal Canadiens are involved in this trade that we're about to talk about. Um, and also a former player on the Senators is the main piece that we're, we're going to talk about. I guess two of them. Um, yeah, I, yeah. We're, we're not talking about Mike Hoffman, just so we're clear. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, so, um, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I guess this kind of happened one, like a few days after we were on hiatus. Literally, as I was going to yeah. Prince Edward Island for my maritime vacation yeah, with yeah. family, I uh, was browsing the internet on Cap Friendly, I yeah. refreshed it, and the trade popped up. Yeah, yeah. And I saw Montreal was involved and just like, oh, they're in a complex trade. And then I saw Carlson's name, and it was yeah. like, and there we go. <laughs> Do you remember how many days after? Because I, I, I don't know if I remember. Uh, it was, we left uh, Ottawa on the Saturday, and it was... Oh, no, no, it's since we last recorded, I mean. Oh, since we last recorded, geez. Um, let's see. Last recording, so uh, we left the 5th and the 6th of August, so it was the final weekend of July, so July 29th and 30th, oh, okay. so July 30th would have been the last recording. Got it, got it. Yeah, so this trade happened August the 6th. I thought, like, it was a few days yeah. after we recorded. But it was, it was a couple late, more days. Late Sunday morning, yeah, early yeah. Sunday afternoon. Right, right, right. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyways, um, the Eric Carlson goes to the Penguins. Um, uh, and um, I guess it's retained by the Montreal Canadiens, which we'll get into in a second, uh, 13%. Um, and... They get. Uh, they also get Dylan Hamel uh from San Jose in a twenty twenty six third round pick, um, and they also get Rem Pitlick from Montreal. Uh, we'll also go into the San Jose side of the things. It's it's always weird to talk about like a three way trade because then I'm like, okay, so this came from this team and this came from that team. Um, yeah, by the way, the salary retention from Carlson is from San Jose, not Montreal. Oh, Montreal yeah, yeah. was the third team in to facilitate the cap space because Pittsburgh had to still clear cap. Uh, because Carlson's cap it with the Sharks. It's $10 million per over the next four years, even with the salary reduction. So uh, Pittsburgh still okay. had to make cap room. Got so it. Montreal oh, I see. did help relieve some of the cap space, just not through Eric Carlson. It was through getting other players. Okay, I it also said, so it's a little bit confusing because in the lineup... It is. Uh, in the lineup, you say 15%, but on Cap Friendly, it says 13%. Okay. Yeah, no, uh... 15... Uh, no, I, I think I said 1.5 million retained, but yeah, I don't know. Um... Yeah, I'm gonna go with cap friendly. <laughs> yeah, Eric Carlson's new cap hit is ten million as opposed to got it, got it. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll just go with what cap friendly has. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, then San Jose, uh, they get Mike Hoffman from Montreal. They also get Michael Granlund, a Jan Ruta, and a 2024 first round pick. Um, it's a conditional pick. It's a, of course, it's a top ten protected. I feel like ever since that, uh, when Ottawa screwed up, they're the like everyone. Shane yeah, the Matthew Shane trade. Although Ottawa then eventually, Ottawa then eventually um, got um, 
they they uh they you guys uh traded um oh you traded away the Eric Carlson um and you were able to get uh Ten Stutzla in that yeah. way. Yeah. Funny, so. funny how that works and, and yeah. that pick that they got from the yeah. San Jose Sharks ended up being one pick higher. Right, right, right. The pick that said the ads got for Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very backwards. Um Michael Granlund uh goes to Pittsburgh. Uh, uh, or sorry, it goes to San Jose. Jan Ruta, I just mentioned. Okay, yeah, I mentioned that part of the deal. And then Montreal gets Jeff Petch- Petrie, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, Casey DeSmith. Uh, they get Nathan Legere, and who's like an AHLer. I think he's like a career AHLer, and he's like yeah, he was a third round pick old. in 2019 uh, by the Penguins. But he's like, I thought he was like, he's pretty old, I think. Um, we, we had him highlighted, I think, in our prospect series. Oh, did we? At least he was one of the guys in my rare. I would okay. say he's a B-ring prospect. He could be an NHL guy, but uh, for the moment, he's mostly an NHL an AHL player. Uh, yeah, he's, okay, so I, I got that wrong. He's 22 years old. So he's, you know, he's still, I guess, it's not like... There's still time. Yeah. Andrew Hammond had his breakout season in, what, like his late 20s? Right, right, or like Tage Thompson is the classic example of that. Although, yeah. although Tage was a first-rounder, and I don't know what round uh, Legere was drafted in. He but, was a third-rounder in okay, 2019. So, so he might not have as high of an expectation as Tage Thompson once had. Um, he, was, he was drafted after Carlson was traded to San Jose, fun fact. Oh, wow. Uh, 2025... Uh, uh, Montreal also gets a 2025 second round pick from Pittsburgh as well. I guess they don't get anything from San Jose, which I guess makes some sense because uh, San Jose and Montreal are both rebuilding teams at the moment. Um, yeah. We're going to do it by, uh, we're just going to go by each uh, team that was involved in this trade and figure out what, like, what does this do for San Jose, um, Pittsburgh, and uh, Montreal. We're going to start off with Pittsburgh because they got the best player. Of course, that's yeah. Eric Carlson. Uh, he had the best de, uh, season, uh, offensively speaking, um, in um, in the NHL, you know, in the post-lockout era, probably ever. Um, in defenseman, he's 33 years old. Of course, he always gets injured. Um and, um, you know, this is like, oh, I, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but Dubis is, uh, he assigned him, I guess he did some extensive uh, interviews for the GM job, and he found out that he is the right GM for the Pittsburgh Penguins, so he's not only the president of hockey operations, he's also the general manager. Which means yeah. full autonomy to do yeah. whatever he wants, baby, unless, right. of course, ownership says, right. uh, you no longer have a job here. But basically, since he has, like, two... He's the president and the GM, it's, like, it was clear that, like, I guess those rumors were true, that he just didn't like Brendan Shanahan and wanted power full reign. Yeah, and he just wanted... Yep. He wanted full reign um, of a team, and uh, now he has it, I guess. Um, but, yeah, no, I guess that is also a good point. Of course, he has an owner, but I, I imagine they'll just let Dubas do his team, especially since... Uh, the Penguins owner is John Henry, who's too uh, focused on Liverpool um, and not on the Red Sox at all. So um, I don't, I don't think John Henry will pay attention. Um, anyways, um, that's just a snide Red Sox <laughs> jab there. Um, 
But, uh, but yeah, of, of course, so Eric Carlson, uh, you get a full year. Yeah, like, the other factors for his great season for Eric Carlson was the fact that he um, was pretty much the only good defenseman in San Jose. Uh, when he also sh- played all 82 games, yep. which, speaking of injuries... Right, that's injury what I was about to get to. I was Yeah, I was about to get to that, because he, um, for, like, uh, you know... I guess early on in his career, he uh, he was pretty healthy, and we were all like, oh, wow, okay, Eric Carlson's really good. Carlson. <laughs> That's a Boston accent coming through. Um, and then um, and then when he got traded to San Jose, it's like, yeah, he had to compete with Brent Burns. But on the other hand, he also had, um, he, you know, it was also just a lot of injuries, uh, thanks to Matt Cook. Um, and a few other things, um, but even still, like he's a legendary Hall of Fame player, even if he never w- wins the cup, as I had mentioned a few episodes ago. Um, but um, but yeah, so last year he had 101 points in 82 games. Um, it it was his fifth or sorry fourth full season in a uh, 14 year in his 14 year career. Um, the other thing to think about, speaking of injuries, is Chris Latane is also on the Penguins, um, and he's also pretty good. He is 36 years old, and he also has an extenuous injury history. Uh, Crosby hasn't been injured as of late, but uh, he has had an injury, a past where he misses a couple of games every now and then. Um, so, so there's that. Same with Malkin. Ricard Raquel has some injury history, although he was um, he's he was good last year uh, in terms of like from a health perspective. Brian Russ has some injury history, so um, so yeah, I, I think this is actually like a, a a nice like snag for for Kyle Dubis, and like this this could help the Penguins get like a last dance feel because. I'm looking at their cap situation here. Crosby has two more years left on his contract. Uh, Malkin has three more years. And, of course, Chris Letang, we talked about this last uh, summer, uh, he signed this crazy extension uh, for five more years. But basically, these these last couple of years are going to be like the last time where you get Crosby and Malkin. Um, like, yeah, I guess they're a little bit past their prime, but... Like it, it seems like this move was just so that the Penguins can can like further uh, increase their chance of making the playoffs. Um, and what better shot than to get like the best defenseman we've seen in this century? Um, the only question, the, the bigger question is is Tristan Jari um, and Alex Ndelkovic, who they got in free agency. Um, he's he's also there. Oh, I'm also just noticing here that Jake Gensel's on LTIR. Um, and he, I think he's, yeah. he's slated to miss you know, the first little bit okay. of the regular season, and um, but it's not like a long term thing. But, but he will be out of the lineup to start the year. And he's also, I didn't even realize this as well, that he's a free agent next year as well. So yep. that's another incentive for the Penguins to to get um to go do a last dance type thing as well um because it's like jake jake Gensel's due for a raise but it might not be in pittsburgh um and 
um, I, I just had like a vision like, oh, he could he go to Boston? <laughs> and then I'm like, now I'm that's all I'm going to be thinking about for the year. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think the bigger, like obviously there's like a lot to talk about how like Eric Carlson, as great as he is offensively speaking, they're, like the only knock is that he doesn't really play defense. Um, and because he was so dominant in San Jose, that could be because he was literally the only good player on San Jose. I mean, no disrespect to Thomas Hardola and Logan Couture, of course, but um, but there, you know, you could make the case where it's like, okay, could he be able to? Like, I doubt he's going to get a hundred points, but could he get eighty points? Maybe. Um, you know, just Carlson and Crosby and Malkin on a power play. Um, that's going to be crazy. But at the same time, it's like, do what does Chris Letang do? Um, and I, I know I'm going everywhere here, but um, I do, ultimately I do like this move. Um, and it's I, I think Dubis kind of was saying, like, you had to be aggressive here. You, it, there's only so many seasons where you have Sidney Crosby on your team and Malkin on your team and, and now Jake Gensel on your team. Um, so... So yeah, this would be a move to to make, and sure, it's gonna hurt um, in the long term because Carlson has four more years left on this contract. So if it's not, it's like it's almost like a cup or bust season for the Penguins all of a sudden um, because now it's like, oh well, maybe this isn't gonna work, and then you're screwed because you have one more year. The following year, you have one more year left of Crosby's contract. And three more years of Eric Carlson, who, who knows if he's going to stay healthy again for another 82 games. Yeah, so um, I'm interested to hear Mike Langsfeld speaking of broadcasters, because yep. um, he has trade, he has trademark phrases like "make me a milkshake, Malkin," and "slap me silly silly." Oh yeah, yeah. when he comes up with Eric Carlson, but um, I guess we'll find out when he scores a goal. Um, that's the other thing about Eric Carlson; his goal total jumped up a ton. And he isn't really known for his goal scoring nowadays. But he's had a couple of 20-goal seasons in his Ottawa days, and this was definitely his best goal-scoring season with the Sharks. Um, Of course, uh, no longer a Shark. Um, But definitely a guy that has a bit left in the tank, for sure. I don't know how many more prime Eric Carlson seasons you're going to get out of him, especially with the industry. That still concerns me. But... Um, I mean, you put him on a line, a power play, you know, like you said, with Crosby and Malkin, even Brian Rust and Jake yep. Ensel when he's back. With Carter Kell. Like, yep. like, man, what a unit. Like, if this is 2016, like, hockey fans are salivating yep. at the sheer awesomeness of this roster. Like, on paper, like, this, this is something you dream about in fantasy hockey. That would never happen in reality, and, and now it's here. So I definitely think in terms of the star power, in terms of what he's capable of, in terms of what he can do, very few defensemen can do what Eric Carlson does. And already I think the Pittsburgh Penguins in terms of skill are a better team because I feel like similar to what Phil Kessel was. Like Phil Kessel wasn't seen as the focal point of the Penguins offense, but he added that extra punch that they needed and that got them over the top and they won a couple of Stanley Cups with him. And I think, based around that argument you could argue that uh, Eric Carlson makes his team better just because he's Eric Carlson and if he can just play like yep. Eric Carlson and like we know he can um, maybe they'll be better off 
but as you mentioned, his defensive numbers are uh, definitely a question mark, and there was a moment in time where the Penguins got Erica Branson, and our good pal Urinating Tree uh, on his live stream said, congrats, Pittsburgh, you got the slowest defense in the league. <laughs> yeah. After getting to Gabranson, it didn't really improve much in that department, and the fact of the matter is, while Eric Carlson can still do Eric Carlson things, I would argue he's not as fast as he was in his prime, in his early days with the Sens, and obviously that entry uh, to uh, Penguins forward Matt Cook back in the day uh, didn't help, but uh, you know the fact that he's 33, there's wear and tear on his body, Part of the reason why he was able to be, you know, moderately good defensively is like he could play a risky type of offensive game and if he gets caught flat-footed or if he, his pass gets picked off, he has the speed to go back and backcheck and go get the puck back. But as the, as the mileage wears on you, you can do that less and less now. So Pittsburgh needs to adapt and get bottom six forwards and bottom pairing D and and top four D like hopefully Brian Graves, for example, that can uh, bail out those type of situations if it happens so that you allow Eric Carlson to play to his strengths, but also keep your defensive game sound. And that was one thing that Pittsburgh's game wasn't. It wasn't defensively sound last year, and I think that's part of the reason why they missed out on the playoffs. Uh, yes, their goaltending wasn't good enough, um, but I think it falls on their blue line. And I just don't know if Dubas has upgraded enough. Like, sure, you have Marcus Peterson, and you brought in Ryan Graves, but outside of that, you yeah. have you know a bunch of young guys and a bunch of short-term options yeah. uh, that, that you're putting on the blue line because you're paying so much money to... Latang Pryor, and now Eric Carlson. In terms of their forwards as well, uh, I definitely think he helps their offensive uh, side of things. But again, I keep going back to um, the Pittsburgh Penguins and what they could do if they, instead of adding to their core, if they traded away a guy like Crosby, especially with all the centers that are getting Here we go with this. recently. Yep. And you, you cannot find a guy at $8.7 million per year for the next two, and which, by the way, is at, his actual salary is less than $8.7 million in actual dollars. You cannot get a number one center with the type of pedigree, with the type of leadership, a guy that is still defensively good, a guy that can still win face-offs. You cannot buy the winning track record that Sidney Crosby has, and you can bet the mortgage that if you traded him to a hockey market, there would be a buzz around that hockey market in the locker room, in the stands. It would be a game-changing move for Sidney Crosby and his new team, but also the Penguins, because they could get a pretty decent haul for Crosby, yep. who, by the way, was a top-20 scorer last year. He hasn't lost a step yet. And this is the time to sell high on this group before the regression hits, and you know it's going to at some point because they are not robots, they are humans. If you look at the amount of goals that Wayne Gretzky scored over his final three seasons, uh, it's a pretty small list compared to what he's used to scoring. Further, Furthering my argument that uh, this is probably the biggest gamble that I think any GM has ever made in terms yeah. of 
not not just betting on your court, but the fact that you would make this trade and just double down. He's like, not only am I going to keep my aging core and bet on them, I'm going to add another member of an aging core from another team and put them on my team, yeah. and everything is going to work great. Yep. And whether it's a success or an absolute train wreck, this Eric Carlson trade is going to be talked about for decades. And it's either going to be a warning sign to NHL GMs why you don't bet on an aging core, or it's going to be like, hey, remember that one time where yep. someone bet on an aging core and it actually worked? And maybe there's uh, an NHL GM in the future down the line that looks at this resume mm-hmm. and it's just like, hey, you know what? I think maybe we could do that with our core. Yep. I think we have the guys to pull that off. So it's going to be really fascinating to watch, regardless of whether this whether or not this fight's big in the ass. Um, so, on your comment about trading Sidney Crosby, um, you, uh, I just have a, one question for you, and this will base, be based off of my own response to that. Um, I disagree with you on that, um, okay. if you couldn't tell. But my question to you is, do you think this trade will work? Will like This actually makes the Penguins into a contender, and they will win the Stanley Cup? It's a tough question because what do the Pittsburgh Penguins want to do? Do they want to win a cup with this team? Yep. Or are they satisfied with just being a contender? If they're a contender, if if Eric... Okay, I, fair, the- fair, fair point. Like, what percentage would you get, uh, would you give the Penguins on winning the cup this year? Zero. Really? Wow. They will not win a cup with this group, period. Those days are done. I if they were a playoff okay. contender. If they're a playoff contender, okay. I can see them at best third in their division, at worst a wild card. Wow. And they're, they're, okay. I I I would uh, you know, I I, feel, I, I thought you were gonna say like maybe ten percent or twenty percent. I zero percent is crazy. I, I'm, I'm actually gonna take it one step further. They are not gonna make a conference finals. Jeez. Okay. I making the conference finals. So, here's the thing, like, I, I kind of see your point, like, yes, this is an aging core and all that stuff, but I was on the mindset that if you have Sidney Crosby, I, I mentioned this in our episode with the tier list, if you have Sidney Crosby, you are, you, like, that raises you, like, even though he's, I'll admit, he is a little bit past his prime, but he's still good, he uh, still, he's still as, good, yeah. yep, he still is a, 20, a top 20 center, um, in the league, uh, top 20 player at that. Um, you also have Agenny Malkin. I, like, my bigger concern for the Penguins is Tristan Jari um, and Alex yeah. Ndelkovic. So yeah. I'll give you that, like, you know, I feel like that's a little bit shaky. But you have, and, and I mentioned this in our tier list again, I had Eric Carlson in tier three. Um and he and those were only reserved for people who had won the cup, um, and I also had Malkin in there too. So, like adding Eric Carlson to this mix of players, like I don't care about age. You you might have a point with like let's say like half of this roster gets injured by like the mid, by like December or whatever. Then I'm like, all right, then then yes, you win, Steve. But but like I. I feel like, and obviously it's like Colorado's going to be very good. Tampa's, of course, always going to be good. Toronto, we'll talk about that next week. They're going to be good. 
Um, same with um, Vegas. But I feel like adding Eric Carlson to this is like it adds that extra element to the Penguins that what what they were missing last year. Um, and yeah, and like people didn't really talk about Crosby. Like yeah, he's not McDavid, um, and he's not Drysdale, but he's still very very good. Um, and that's why. I, and what you were saying is like, I like. Like I, I don't understand why you would trade Sidney Crosby if, because you make this move because you're going, you're going for it, um, and I, I like it. Kind of, I, I know when Gretzky was traded to the Kings, it was a little bit um, when when Gretzky was still pretty good and the best player in the league, although he was always the best player in the league, but it does remind me of a Gretzky to the Kings type move where it's like. I, I don't think even Kyle Dubas wants to be known as the guy who traded Sidney Crosby, um, and you just you just don't trade those those types of players. Um, although of course they happen, like I alluded to with Wayne Gretzky, but um, but I, I I just like I, I feel like that's why Kyle Dubas was doing it because he's realizing like Crosby is a once in a generation player, once in a century type player, and if if you don't like it, maybe it won't work. Um, like I would, I wouldn't say it's like a ninety percent chance to answer my own question, but, um, but I wouldn't say zero at the same time. I would say probably like, uh, maybe like, it depends. I guess like because of the goaltending and the injuries that could happen to the key players, but um, I probably say like fifteen percent, maybe twenty percent, um, and. And I, I just, like, I, I don't think I understand why you would trade Sidney Crosby, because that's why you make this trade uh, for for Eric Carlson, um, because you want to uh, resume, like, this is Crosby's team, um, and you just want to resume that, like, add that extra shelf life. Um, and at least they're trying, because that's not, that's something that the Bruins aren't doing, that's something that the Capitals aren't doing. Um, and I always group those three teams together. Um, and at least the Penguins are trying something. Um, and I, yeah, so I, I applaud Kyle Dubas for, for being aggressive and, and getting this trade to go out um, into it's, it. It's not, it's not like a situation where like he's getting fleeced in the trade either. Right. Like the, the, the trade return for Carlson. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to the Sharks point. Yeah. It's not like the, it's not like the Penguins are getting Yes. Like obviously you're giving up a first round. But saying zero percent, that's that's crazy. <laughs> they they need to get out of their division to reach the conference finals. They're okay. not better than Carolina, they're not better than New Jersey. Uh, they they still might think be the Rangers are better than them. Okay. Uh, I yeah, you might have a the point with thought. Carolina and New Jersey. But they, they might be on par with the Rangers. Um, yeah, they could be. But then again, they were up three to one against the Rangers a couple of years ago, and look what happened. Right, anyway. but it's a different team. <laughs> they true. Did, you yeah. Know. yeah. So they changed. True. I will the, like you. The, the other, the other thing. Just you do have a point. That. If if you were going to make this point, then I might agree with you because okay. Tristan Jari, uh, he had. Although I, I remember there were a couple of like he had a couple of spurts of games where he was pretty good, but. Uh, this past year, I'm just looking at what he was doing in the season. 
Uh, yet we went 24, 13, and 7 uh, with a 2.9 GAA and a save percentage of 909. Um, and I know it's not all on the goaltending and whatnot, but that needs to be better. So yeah. um, so you, you might have a point if you're saying that, like, you just don't believe in Tristan Jari that much. And then the, the fact that their backup is someone who, uh, who like, there was, like, a Ch- Alex Nedeljkovic, who um, might not have, like, for some reason, like, hasn't been the same since, like, two years ago. Uh, so, so, yeah, you might have a point if it's, like, a goaltending situation or if it's a defensive type of situation. And, again, like, let's see here. Colorado, uh, Edmonton. Dallas, um, Tampa, Toronto, New Jersey, Carolina. Um, I'm probably missing a couple of other teams. But, yeah, so I I would still say those teams have better odds of winning the Cup than uh, Vegas, was another one, um, have better odds than the Penguins. But this definitely does help the Penguins um, in their cup chances. Um, so Yeah, it definitely improves it. I yeah. just don't think it improves it enough. The other point yeah. I, w- I just remembered is this would be, I could totally get this gamble. If they're the San Jose Sharks, it's 2019. They came also close yeah. to winning the cup. The Penguins, of course, spoiled the party and prevented them from getting that elusive championship. They think they're one piece away. They go out and they get Eric Carlson. I totally get that. Pittsburgh's won three cups with this core. Like, like you, you try to be relevant, like, sooner. And the best thing you could do is the toughest thing to do. And that is realize that the time is up with this core and start fresh. Yeah. I know people are going to hate that. They want to see Crosby for life in a Penguins uniform, just like Mario. I 100% get that. I understand it. But yeah. you're running a business here. Yeah, but I, I also just disagree with you, too. It's, just like, not just on the fact that, like, he is a Pittsburgh Penguin. I, like, you know, forget about that. It's just, like, I, I just don't understand that. You, like, we're never going to get another Sidney Crosby. It's just, like, that's someone, like, if you were to trade him, like, I don't even think you could, like, any any amount of, routine, uh, like, return you could get for Sidney Crosby at this point is, I, I don't even think it could equal be provides. Um, I just don't know what more they could do with this board. That's, it's as simple as okay, that. Okay, that's better. Like, I, I could see it. Maybe they try to trade uh, Malkin. Um, uh, I, I don't think they are going to, like, ideally you would trade Latang, but I don't think uh, Latang, <laughs> like, anyone's going to take on Latang's contract. Um, so I could see if it's Malkin. I just I just don't feel like you would trade Crosby because it's like that's the whole purpose of what they're doing. Um, Full disclosure, I have Sidney Crosby in my fantasy league yeah. and I traded him. Connor Hallelux. No, I know, I know. You told me. So, so. And, and not in real life it's happened, but I did trade Crosby. So so you are biased, speaking of biases. Um, okay. Yeah, kind of. We, we should get to the other teams because it's... Yeah. <laughs> Our yeah, our plan of Mike Hoffman. How's he yeah, doing? our plan of shortening these podcasts uh, failed. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll speed run through these real quick. Sure. Um, so, uh, so yeah, the, just to uh, a reminder for everyone, uh, the Sharks got Mike Hoffman. They get Mikhail Granlund. 
a Jan Ruta in a 2024 conditional first round pick. And of course that first round pick is top 10 projected. Uh, this is actually kind of funny because originally when uh, Mike Hoffman was traded uh, from Ottawa, uh, there was like that scandal with him and uh, Eric Carlson's family. Um, but also um, he was traded to the Sharks and then he was like a shark for a day. And then uh, Mike Hoffman then gets traded to the Panthers the the following day. Um, yeah, for like a second round yeah. pick as well. I think. So so it was always it's like that um, Martin Jones was the Bruin for a second, or like it's always yeah. that like it was a matter of little little funny thing, yeah. yeah. Where um, I I thought it was a day, but you might be right then if it was. I think it was a couple of hours because uh, word yeah. instantly got out. It's like yeah, uh, Hoffman's not in San Jose for a long uh, time. He's, he's going to Florida. Flight. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so now it's like, yeah, San Jose is a, diff- a very, very different team than they were back then. But, um, but yeah, so Mike Hoffman's now in San Jose. Um, and I, th- I think like the grand scheme of things, this is, um, you know, like I, I think there was always reports that the Sharks were going to try to trade Eric Carlson despite his long-term contract and all that stuff. Um, I, I say, I think they did they didn't do too badly for that, uh, considering that, like, you know, they, they did retain some of the contract, and that's that's kind of tough, um, especially when they're also retaining on Brent Burns. Um, and I, I think, ultimately, I didn't realize this, but um, but I heard this on a, on a, um, on a podcast, the Hockey News, that, um, so the first overall pick, likely first overall pick this next year, is a guy named Macklin Salabrini. Um, and even though he is, like, Canadian ethnically, um, or, like, he, uh, he will play for Canada in the World Juniors and internationally, um, he actually grew up in the San Jose system. Um, and he played, uh, like, for the San Jose Junior Sharks. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and so, I, I mean, like, you know, and then you have, like, Will Smith is probably going to take another year in Boston College, uh, who they just drafted, um, and we'll see what William Meckland and Thomas Bordelow will do this year, but, uh, but yeah, they get, like, guys like Philip Zadina, uh, they got, um, Anthony Duclair, who could keep them afloat, um, of course, you still have, like, Logan Couture and Thomas Hurdle, um, for a little bit. Um, and, um, oh, wow, Mark Edward Vlasic has three more years left with seven million? Jeez. Um, but, yeah, the Sharks are going to be bad. Um, and, a lot, like, this will be, like, you know, I mean, the Sharks were bad last year. We knew that they were going to be bad. But this year, it's like, they're actually going to be worse because they don't have Eric Carlson on their team. Like, there's, like yeah, you'll have Hurdle, you'll have... Uh, Logan Couture. We'll, I, I, I have some hope that Zadina will be decent and uh, maybe Willie Meckland will uh, be like be okay, kind of like what um, Zegers was his rookie year or something like that. But um, but at the same time, it's like you know the the Sharks are like they're not get, like I, I think I remember a few years ago the president said that the Sharks could never rebuild. But, um, buddy, you might want to look in the mirror and think that you're you're rebuilding um, a little bit. So, um, so yeah, I, I think the Sharks are going to try to uh, try to not necessarily tank, 
but the, well, they'll, ne- they'll never be public about it. But um, but yeah, this this Sharks team is probably going to be one of the worst teams in the league. I don't even know who their best defenseman is. Like I'm just looking at this list and like, who are these guys? <laughs> so um, so yeah, um, so that's that's going to be uh, they're going they're going to be bad. So we'll take a look at uh, their defensive core while we're at Mark Edward Blasky already says contract, three years left. I don't know if he's their top defenseman, but he's definitely their most experienced. Yeah. At the age of 36, their second most experienced is a tie between Radim Simic and Jacob McDonald in terms yeah. of age. And Jacob McDonald has mostly been an AHL player. Um, you also have 24-year-old Mario Ferraro, three years left at $3.25 million. Again, Ruto, who they just got two years left at 2.75. He's 33, actually. So he's their, yeah. I stand corrected, he's their second most experienced defenseman in terms of age. Uh, Radim Simic at 30, 2.25 million. Then he's a UFA. He can walk for nothing if he wants. Uh, Matt Benning, they have three more years of him at $1.25 million. Uh, he's 29. Uh, Nikolai Kanisov, who is 25, two years at $1.25 million per season. You have Kyle Burroughs on a three-year deal at $1.1 million. Mm-hmm. He is 28 years old. Uh, yeah, that uh, decor is going to yeah. get eaten alive. I will. Which sucks for their goaltending, I... which features Mackenzie Blackwood and Capo Kakinen. Uh, right. Blackwood has two years on his contract that he just signed, and Kakinen has one year at 2.75 before he can potentially test the open I will say I um, I'm just looking at their prospect pools just to see if it's like their defense is any better. Uh, they do have Henry Thrun, who was an Anaheim Ducks prospect, yeah. but I guess uh, he was he's one of those like college free agents and he uh, he signed with the Sharks uh, for one year. They also got uh, Shakir Mukamadulin, who they got yeah. in the Timo Meyer deal. So those two guys could uh, could be um, decent picks. Um, if you're into fantasy of like they might they might end up having some exposure that way also taking a look at their dead cap uh they have Brent burns uh oh, two yeah. more years of retained salary on him and eric carlson they have four uh they have uh four more years of martin jones's buyout mm-hmm. god he's the least now and yeah. uh, one more year left of Rudolph Spalser's buyout. Uh, by the way, in the original Eric Carlson trade to Ottawa, ain't, ain't that funny? Um, then uh, that brings me also oddly enough to the Eric Carlson uh, trade tree, the original one, as I talk about the return, because the original return in the Eric Carlson trade from Ottawa to San Jose was in terms of current NHL players at the time, Dylan DeMello, Chris Tierney, and Rudolph Spalsers, along with the signing race to prospect Josh Norris, who has turned out pretty well, thankfully. Dylan DeMello is uh, top four defenseman at best, third pairing defenseman at worst. Uh, still in the NHL now in Winnipeg. Chris Tierney was a bottom six center, is no longer in Ottawa, and is just bouncing around the league at this point. Rudolph Spalsers had his NHL moments, but for the most part, he's been an AHL performer uh, in terms of the best you're going to get. So uh, I'm not really sure what to grade him as an NHL player. He bounced around Florida. He bounced around Tampa Bay as well, I think, for a brief minute as well, on top of the San Jose and Ottawa stints. So he's starting to find his new home. So that goes to show you a little bit that sometimes the 
players going back in a trade aren't the centerpiece of the deal, and that's where asset management comes in. You get a guy like Mike Hoffman, for example, but let's say he has a bounce back campaign. He's a good trade deadline pickup, maybe you get a second round pick for him. Uh, Mikhail Granlin, two years at $5 million. He's not a goal scorer, we all know of that, but he can pile up 40 to 50 assists when he's on his game. And I think he could be a serviceable piece, maybe has a good year in San Jose, heading into the final year of his contract when everyone else is getting paid and no one has a dance partner left. Maybe they, maybe there are teams out there that focus on short-term bargains and they need assist getters. So they're just like, hey, this Mikhail Granlin guy had a pretty good year in San Jose. Right. Maybe let's pick up the phone and see what San Jose is willing uh, to accept an offer for. And so they get more futures from that. Yan Rudo, again, like not a bad defenseman at all. Fringe top four, uh, I think third pairing at the bare minimum. And he's, his contract is not terrible either. Uh, and then, of course, you have the top 10 protected first round pick, which, as I've mentioned before, I don't really trust the Penguins. If they fall off a cliff, that pick could be a top 10 pick, whether it's 2024 or 2025. All this to say, I think asset management is going to dictate what the San Jose Sharks are going to get out of this trade. But I definitely think they can get value out of this trade if they play their cards right and they're able to get the best out of Grandland and Yan Ruda in the short time that they are there. The other thing that the San Jose Sharks are going to get in this deal, as we mentioned in the long term with their decor, is uh, is the cap space situation because that's something that's uh, that uh, similar to Montreal, San Jose has struggled with. Uh, this year, after this year, Kevin LeBanc, Mike Hoffman, Anthony Duclair, Alex Barabanov, and Oscar Lindblom are going to be at the end of their deals that's a healthy chunk of cap space that you have coming off the books there. And like you said, Brett, they're going to be bad for a couple of years, but they're starting to accumulate the prospects. Mm -hmm. They're starting to accumulate the cap space, the draft picks. It's going to be a long, slow burn, but, you know, give it a handful of years and the Sharks are going to be a team that's that people are talking about again. But yep. you're right, it's not going to be fun this year. Uh, so I just looked at Henry Thrun's Hockey DB page. Uh, he had his last year at Harvard, where he was a junior, he had 31 points in 33 games. He also played eight games in San Jose, where he had two assists in eight games. So, um, so you know, I mean, obviously it's a small sample size, but we'll see. Um, I imagine maybe uh, he'll have ample opportunity, but it seems like uh, Henry Thorne is your best bet of being the guy there, um, eventually. Um, Okay, and then for, uh, I guess lastly, I know that we, we should, I was joking that we should, uh, this is still a long episode, but uh, do you think this is the worst team in the league now, or is there another team that might not be? Worst team than the Sharks? Um, it used to be Chicago, but with Connor Bedard, I don't know if you can say that. I do think Chicago's going to improve this year. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Taylor uh, Hall, yeah, they have I, Lucas Hall. I, I think. Well, I think it's between San Jose and Anaheim for dead last this year. Yeah, I, I guess Anaheim, but I, I don't know. I feel like Anaheim also might not be as bad because they have at least a, a coach that's not Dallas Eakins. Um, so, so there's that. Um, you biased against Dallas Eakins or something? 
Well, yeah, he's not a good coach. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. That's yeah. <laughs> he he doesn't have a good track record. Yeah, yeah. Um, not and um, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, maybe Montreal again. Um, although they might be better if uh, Caulfield and Slavkovsky play a full year. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think the Sharks are they, they could be the worst team in the league. And again, like you have someone like Backlund Celebrini who has some San Jose roots. It's like that yeah. that doesn't happen that often, especially in California like that. So it's like that could be pretty huge if if they could get Celebrini there. Hundred uh, percent. Montreal. Speaking of Montreal, they get uh, Jeff Petrie. Uh, and uh, Casey DeSmith and Nathan Lajar. They also get a 2025 second round pick. They also... Pittsburgh also retained 25% of Petrie's salary, by the way, in that deal. Uh, they also traded Jeff Petrie uh, to um, the new... Uh, no, not the New Jersey Devils. Detroit, the Detroit Red Wings. Detroit Red Wings, yeah. Uh, for, like, a fourth round pick. Um, so, uh, there was... And, and Gustav Lindstrom, who's an NHL yeah. defenseman as well. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, there was, like, because if, uh, for anyone who forgot, uh, last year, Jeff Petrie had requested a trade out of Montreal, um, and then they traded him to Pittsburgh, and then, uh, Petrie just, um, uh, he didn't do so well in Pittsburgh, um, so, uh, so I, I guess he'll go to Detroit, and we'll see how that goes. But yeah, they don't they don't have Jeff Petrie anymore, and he, I, I think he's still going to want to be in Montreal. So um, there's that. But um, but yeah, we'll see, we'll see what he does in Detroit. Uh, the the Canadians do get Casey to Smith, um, which isn't isn't bad because he's been a, like a backup to Jari for a couple of years now um and he's always been okay i feel like um and i, I guess this is a sign that carrie price or we've we've mentioned that carrie price has unofficially retired but he's basically done um and he's just going to be on ltir for the rest of his contract which is uh which ends in three more years um so so yeah we'll we'll see how that goes um and yeah i i guess the part that montreal does it is just so that they can uh, save some cap room because they were they knew that they were eventually going to trade away Jeff Petrie, um, and um, yeah, and uh, you know I, I think they're um, they're just like just willing to be the facilitator because there's not they're not going to like win the cup this year and they can um, they can help out from a cap standpoint with other teams but uh, they don't necessarily need. Um, yeah, because I'm just looking at their dead cap situation here. They have one more. They are retaining one more year of Joel Edmondson with 1.75 million, and they have, and then Jeff Petrie for 2.3 million for two more years. They're all. They also bought out Carl as Carl Alsner uh, for one more <laughs> that year. That was an eternity ago. Good God, that's still going. Uh, yeah, one more it year left. It actually says final year, thank God. Yeah, yeah. but like <laughs> 800,000, so it's like, it's like, it's a, at least it's not like in the millions or anything like that, but, um, but yeah, <laughs> that is true. It's like, oh yeah, I remember that guy, um, but yeah, it's crazy. Um, so, um, 
Yeah, I, I, I think it's, like, you know, I, I don't know if there's too much to say. It's like Montreal was kind of like the tertiary character in this trade, but um, they were involved. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what uh, Gustav Lindstrom can do, what Casey DeSmith can do, and what Nathan Laguerre d- does, but there isn't really anything, like, significant that's going to change l- like it w- would for Pittsburgh or San Jose. At the end of the day, you have young defensemen coming through the pipeline. Jordan Harris has shown promise, but he's only 23. Uh, Gustav Lindstrom is 24 years old, so he's just slightly older uh, than uh, than Jordan Harris. However, uh, he has played parts of four seasons with Detroit, 16 games first time around, then he played 13 games, then he played whopping 63 in 21-22, and then last year he played in 36 NHL games. Doesn't have the offensive numbers really. He's trying to find his way in that regard. But hey, maybe the Habs are able to unlock a new side of him and he can be a good defenseman of the future moving forward. Who really knows? Uh, you also have Justin Barron, who's 21 years old, one of their brighter prospects. Yeah. They have Caden Gooley, who's 21 years old. There's Arbor Jekai, who was really, really, really impressed. And you can't, for the fact of the matter is, you can't lean on Michael Matheson and, and David Savard um, to do all the heavy lifting, especially when the oldest guy in their blue line is a 33 year old Chris Weidman. Remember that name from the Uber video? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, speaking of former sense. Exactly. Um, yeah, so for, for the most part, the Habs need all they, the help that they can get defensively. They don't have Jonathan Druin's contract on the books anymore. They don't have Paul Byron's contract on the books. Uh, they brought back Sean Monaghan, but at a reduced price. And now, by getting rid of Mike Hoffman, they clear up a bit more cap space, uh, which is noteworthy because Cole Caulfield's new uh, deal kicks in. So that's $7.85 million right there. Uh, Jake Allen has two years left on his deal. They also have Sam Montembeau, uh, and they haven't really had contract talks with him, so... It's hard to tell if DeSmith is more of an insurance policy, but at the end of the day, they're getting short-term assets that they could potentially turn into picks um, as the years go on. Again, similar to San Jose, they're clearing up some of the cap space. They're piling up the future, you know, draft picks, and they're doing a little bit of tight business. Like you come in and help a, you come in and help a couple of teams facilitate a trade you get a second round pick for your troubles you get a backup goalie you get a defenseman you trade away for another nhl defenseman and a fourth like that's that's ken hughes being proactive at his job and helping out the canadians through their rebuild it doesn't change the fact that montreal's still going to be a fun but bad team in the atlantic but i definitely think it's a good piece of short-term tidy business that in the long term could have you know great rewards Especially when you consider, again, that the prime suitors in this deal were San Jose and Pittsburgh. Like, Mon- Montreal didn't have to get involved into this, but they got involved to, you know, help the deal materialize, and they got some assets they, that they can potentially um, flip into picks and, and whatever else yep. down the line. Or maybe there are diamonds in the rough that they hold on to. Like, th- this the other thing with the Pittsburgh Penguins is, like, in order to give uh, give up Eric Carlson, like think of the amount of assets that they had to give up. Montreal just comes in as the third man in, and and just profits at very little cost. 
and they retained, you know, Jeff Petrie's salary for a couple of years to make that happen. Who really cares? Again, they're not expected to be good. They're just uh, trying to speed up the the rebuild process a little bit and profit later. So, um, but it's a can't lose situation for Montreal, and I don't think there's anything right now that moves the needle. But in a couple of years, as we start to see what those picks turn into and uh, what they get out of these assets, you never know. Yep, yep, for sure. They also offloaded Mike Hoffman's contract as well. <clears throat> yep. um, uh, so, okay, so now um, we go to the rapid fire. I'm going to start the, the timer in a few minutes. Um, also, just a reminder, uh, Steve mentioned this at the start of the show, but also a reminder uh, Austin Matthews contract will be talked about next week um, in full detail. Evan Bouchard will also be discussed next week as well. Uh, we might combine them at the same time. I don't know if we can connect that or whatever. We also, I forgot to mention, and I don't know if Steve forgot when he made this lineup, but uh, Alexis Lafreniere also signed, and we'll talk about that next week as well. Um, yeah. So... So with that said, uh, we only have three items in this rapid fire, so uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, but I'm gonna start the timer, and our first topic is uh, Troy Terry. Uh, he signs uh, seven, mil- uh, seven million for seven more years. Uh, he's 25 years old, so that's not bad. Um, and um, and yeah, the uh, the Ducks have 16.6 million left on their for cap space, they did sign Leo Carlson to an entry-level contract, but they have uh, Trevor Zegers t- yet to sign and Jamie Drysdale, uh, both of which will probably, uh, or that's a big reason why they're saving all this money. Uh, but yeah, I like this deal. Uh, Troy Terry will probably be a captain, I imagine. Maybe they make Trevor Zegers the captain once he signs, but, um, but I could definitely see Troy Terry being the captain here because he's been in Anaheim for longer, um, and yeah, we'll see. So, um, yeah, I like this move, um, and yeah, I, I think we've we've mentioned this before, where Anaheim has this luxury, but they're only doing this just because they haven't signed Trevor Zegers and Jamie Drysdale. They also have a few um, uh, decent prospects in their system as well, not to mention Leo Carlson. They have Mason McTavish, Zegers, and Terry, of course, but they also have uh, Olin Zellweger. Um, they also have uh, Tristan Lunau and uh, Pavel Mintyukov. So, um, so they have a few guys who are going to be uh, decent. And, yeah, they have a, a bright future ahead. Um, and Troy Terry is a big reason why they, they can do that or uh, to be excited for. It's interesting because, um, and I, I, I feel like um, Trevor Zegers is going to go the awesome Matthews route. Uh, yep. He's one of the uh, short list of unsigned RFAs. I'm not yep. really sure what's going on there, considering they had the same amount of production. And I think um, just taking a look, Troy as, Terry had 23 oh, goals. Oh, as Troy Terry. In 70 in, in game, um, he had 23 goals last year. I'm pretty sure Trevor Zegers actually had more than Terry. Actually, plot twist, they both had 23. Never mind. Yeah. Um, but I, I think in terms of like when you consider the playmakers, Trevor Zegers is definitely the playmaker for the Anaheim Ducks. He's the straw that stirs the drink for that offense. But Troy Terry is a guy that put up 188 shots last year, yeah. 23 goals, five power play goals. When you consider 
how minuscule the Ducks' offense is. He's going to be a key part of this team. You consider the cap is going to go up. And I think Troy Terry can be a 30 to 40 goal score for them easy per year. Mm-hmm. So when you consider that the cap is going to go up halfway through this deal, it's probably going to look like one of the best bargains in the NHL currently. Yep. So uh, I definitely think it's it's going to age well, and the Ducks are going to profit from that as they continue to improve. So yep. happy for Troy Terry, happy for the Ducks. Yeah. So uh, I just you just made me look here. Six, uh, sixty-five points in eighty-one games for Zegras, and uh, Troy Terry had sixty-one points in seventy games. So uh, Terry had has a better points per game, but they're roughly were the same point totals, uh, yeah. technically speaking. Um, Okay, so our next topic here um, is uh, the Washington Capitals. They sign <laughs> uh, Tom Wilson uh, to Everyone's a contract. Everyone's favorite NHL player, Tom yep. Wilson. Uh, seven by 6.5. Um, this I don't necessarily understand. Um, I know that I, I think Tom Wilson did have some injury concerns last year. He only played 33 games. He did have 22 points. Um, but it is a little strange to see that him them like give out this long term contract because players who play like him uh, don't last that long. He's kind of like built like a Milan Lucic type player, um, and he's so, a power forward. Yeah, power forward type players, and historically speaking, not just Milan Lucic, but uh, there's countless of other power forwards. They don't really last long. Um, in the NHL after they turn 30. Um, and um, so so this one is a little bit of a baffling one, and I'm not sure why Washington did this. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's like Tom, everyone, like Tom Wilson's the classic. You love him if he's on your team. You hate him if he's not on your team. Um, and um, But, yeah, I feel like this is a little bit too much for, for the Washington Capitals. But at the same time, I feel like every single move the Capitals are making is like they're just trying to get Alex Ovechkin's goal record. Like they don't, they don't care about anything else. They don't even care about winning the cup um, or getting like a top prospect. They just want to get Alex Ovechkin to beat that Gretzky record. Um, and um, yeah, so it's going to hurt them in the long run, I, I assume. Um, but but yeah, we'll we'll see um, what happens there. I just wanted everyone to know that it was around uh, after year 10 of Lucic's career where his offensive numbers started to drop. Guess how many seasons Tom Wilson has played, Brett? Um, eight? Ten? I don't know. He, he just wrapped up his 10th, and oh, wow. in his 10th, he played in 33 games because, as you recall, he missed a good chunk of yep. the start of the season. And in those... Um, short list of games he had 13 goals granted you know that's not a bad goals per game but he had 13 goals 22 points in 33 games roughly the 82 game pace that he's had over the past five years which is 50 plus that's not terrible and definitely a 6 4 220 titan doesn't grow on trees so like i get why the caps would keep him for that but i mean it, <laughs> this is a guy that is more so known for his hitting, 200-plus hits. That That's yep. where and tear on the body. His careers are high for shots in a season is 154, which he accomplished in 2019-20. His career high in goals, uh, even though he's had a couple of single seasons, is 24-79 and 79 in 
and even when you look at some of the seasons that he's put forward, you have 63 games in 2018, 19, you have 68 games in 2019, 20. Uh, mind you, that's when COVID stopped everything. But you're always starting to see signs that the wear and tear on his body is kind of taking their toll. And when you put a seven-year deal and $6.5 million on top of that, even if the cap goes up, that's not an optimal way to spend money. And I think in more ways than one, it's going to blow up in their face. Happy for Tom Wilson, though. He's going to get yep. paid a healthy dose of money regardless. He doesn't care. True. Um, he has a cup, too. I'm also pretty certain that, um, yeah, he, he won a cup, exactly. He's, he's won a lot. Uh, but I'm also pretty sure they got him some trade protection on top of that. Uh, let me take a look here. Uh, so for the first four years, he submits a 15-team no-trade, and then goes down to a 10-team no-trade later in his career. I guess it's, I, I mean, it's, it's not a no-move, but still, you can't trade him to half the league. Like, right. Especially yeah. if that contract ages horribly, that puts you in a rough spot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it, it feels like Washington has a history of doing this, too, where they give long-term contracts to guys uh, that may not necessarily deserve it, like Kuznetsov. Of course, Ovechkin deserves it, um, and Backstrom deserves it, but... Um, I remember Alex Semin early in yeah, his was very, one. very yeah. good, but he fell yeah. off hard and he so, it, it's just it's just how uh, the capitals are managed where like okay if you're not one of those like core guys you're you're probably gonna leave in a couple of years but uh, but yeah so so it but it's it just weird because they don't have a lot of cap flexibility because of, in doing so um, so so that's where it gets to be a little bit tricky and now I feel like the Washington capitals are not good enough to be contenders and not bad enough to be sellers so they're just yeah you know, they're, they're they're just mediocre they're, around, they're swirling yep. around the drain of mediocrity exactly so and right that's that's the worst place you want to be so yep but you know at the same time as I just mentioned it's like okay enjoy Ovechkin's goal record um when that happens and and that's the day it after he scores that goal everyone is going to help <laughs> basically yep um Brandon Hagel signs um, a uh, another contract. Speaking of long term contracts here, an eight year deal, uh, six point five million. Uh, for the record, I mean Hagel did have a, a nice season uh, this last year. He's also twenty five years old, um, so he had sixty four points in eighty one games. Um, and yeah, so it, it, this is another one where like Tampa, I don't know why like Tampa always does this I feel like they just always try to like sign a lot of long-term contracts I mean having said that like the the current long-term contracts they have are Kucherov, Braden Point, uh, Sam Coase although he has one more year left but he it was a long-term contract um Hagel just now I guess you could say that it hasn't worked so far for Anthony Sorelli and Nicholas Paul uh they do have a long-term contract to Sergachev they have a long-term contract to Eric Chernak um, so, in a few years, it's going to catch up to them. Um, oh, and Victor Hedman's another one, but he has two more years yeah, left. Yeah, he's got two years yeah. left, yeah. Um, and it also looks like, oh, wow. So, according to Cap Friendly, they have $6.9 over the cap. Um, although, I don't know if that means if 
they consider the LTIRs. Um, but um, but yeah, so, so this is just what they do, I guess. Um, and you know, I, I guess it's, it's you know, I, I think for the longest time we've always been like, why are they getting Brandon Hagel and like overpaying for Brandon Hagel? And it turned out it worked out for them. But then you're like, well, why are they overpaying for uh, over uh, trading for uh, Tanner Janot? And that hasn't worked out for them yet. And it's it's really just because they want to like increase the window as long as possible. But at the same time, an eight-year contract to a guy who's you know who only has like his best year is a sixty-point game point. It's like he might not get any better. So I don't know. It's just a lot of term for someone who might not end up reaching those expectations. Um, I feel like with Tampa, like they're just different. Where it's like okay, like. They can do whatever they want. I and it's like maybe in like next year I'm gonna be a fool for this, but um, but yeah. At the same time, I'm just like, what? <laughs> why? Why? Why did they make this contract? I don't get it. Out, outside of a couple of notable prospects, uh, this is why I don't get the Hagel extension completely. Is you have guys like Jano, you have guys like Hagel on cheap deals where you can hang on to them for a couple of seasons, see what they got. I think they committed too soon. I would have rather waited until the end of the year, see yep. okay, can you do this again, and then make up my mind and and see where we're at. And if you can't keep them, well then you trade them away and yep. you restock the prospect cupboard, which outside of a few players hasn't been the strongest compared to previous seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and at, and I think at this point, as you're starting to sacrifice, you know, the bottom six guys that are very useful, like a Ross Colton, like a Corey Perry, like a Patrick Maroon, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you can't keep those guys because you're continuing to commit more and more to those staples that help get you those back-to-back cups. Um, now that you start committing to guys like Brandon Hagel, it's just like, okay, well... You basically got rid of every single bottom six guy that there is because of all the previous commitments. Who are you going to get rid of now? Is it going to be someone like Steven Stamkos that bites the bullet? Is mm. it going to be someone like Victor Hedman? And I hate to say this about Victor Hedman because he's one of the most talented defensemen that we've seen in our generation's history. The emergence of Mikhail Sergachev offensively kind of makes him look a little expendable. Yeah. So... It wouldn't shock me if we start to see more of these veteran stars that have been there, done that, that yep. have been through the good and the bad in Tampa Bay, if they start becoming the sacrificial lambs because they're committing to the next wave of talent. Yeah, I, I'm i less offended by the Hedman trade take than Sidney Crosby trade. I, okay, I, I got yeah. Connor Hallebuck on my team. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now we at least you admitted that you're you're biased against Sidney Crosby. It's weird too because I'm the American he's, here. I should hate my Sydney team too many times. It, that's yeah. that's all it is. He's too good against my team. That's <laughs> that's the only bad thing I have against Crosby. Is he beats up on the sense. Well, what what's funny is I I'm an American. I should hate Sidney Crosby. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, and and I should also hate Eric Carlson. The fact that he. Uh, single-handedly beat the Bruins, but whatever. Anyways, <laughs> I'm also I'm also glad that, because I feel like for a couple of years, you've it's been like a trend where you defend all the lightning uh, trades and signings, and I'm like, I'm not so sure. 
And um, so I'm glad that we're both on the same page on, on this contract where I feel like you're coming to my side on, on this. So, so there's that as well. Um, it looks like we have, oh, we have 14 seconds left. So I, um, we, okay. that's, uh, do, that's, do you mind if my, I have one thing? Okay. So huge, huge sense news could potentially happen next week, but Michael and Lauer, it sounds All right, like well, we're, we're done now, but I'll, uh, uh, <laughs> I guess I'll allow Michael this. Michael and Lauer might be buying the sense soon. Uh, keep, uh, keep yep. your hockey apps open. Okay. Uh, that news could happen as soon as next week. Sure. Um, I guess if we're doing minor news, Jay O'Brien uh, signs with the Toronto Marlies. Um, I, if you remember, in the 2018 draft, I was kind of high on him because he uh, he did really well in high school, um, and, he, and then he was a first round pick um, for the Flyers. I didn't know, I didn't think he would be a first round pick, so that felt a little bit crazy. But uh, but yeah, he he plays for the. He's now going to be on the Marlies because uh, I guess the Flyers didn't. Uh, extend um, or didn't sign him, and I guess there's some like loophole where the Flyers get a second round pick because I, I guess it's something where if you don't sign a first round pick of yours um, in that three year window, uh, then you get a compensation pick. So that means that uh, the Flyers get uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs second round pick, basically. Um, so so there's that. Of course, wow. if you look, yeah. Of course, if you, although I don't know, it's kind of strange too because it was it's like a minor league deal, so so maybe yeah. it doesn't count, but we'll see. Um, I guess it depends on yeah. how far Jay O'Brien makes it with the club. I yeah. guess maybe we'll maybe goes back to Toronto if but, he doesn't make a big impact. But yeah, of course. Uh, so it's not like the 2015 Bruins uh, draft. It's not that bad. But I will say uh, the next pick after Jay O'Brien that year was Rasmus Kupari, then Ryan Merkley. Um, we'll see. Uh, speaking of the Sharks, I guess uh, he's now in Colorado. That's kind of strange. But the big one that I feel like the Flyers are going to regret um, that they they could have had um, was Keandre Miller. Um, but everyone, and I guess Rasmus Sandin, a couple of picks after that point but yeah they could have had k andre miller but they instead went with jay o'brien so um, i i think uh, the original team that could have drafted k andre miller was the ottawa senators but they made a yeah. trade with the rangers and they oh yeah that's right a yeah. second to trade down yeah there was a couple the of rangers selected things, yeah. miller yep which uh i don't know if if pierre dorian had a do-over i'd be interested to see what he would have done uh yeah probably he probably would have drafted K. Andrew Miller, but if they were doing the trade over, or the draft over again, I think, I would assume K. Andre Miller would be a top 10 pick. Um, yeah, pretty good so, trade for the Rangers, that was, yeah, that was solid work. Exactly. Um, Alright, that about does it here for us on Lace Em Up. Uh, yeah, again, we'll talk about the Matthews signing next week, because that's arguably a bigger deal than the Eric Carlson trade. Um, and, um, although I guess if if you're into like Toronto media, I feel like I got yeah, swayed by Toronto media. Yeah, unless you're a Bruins fan, then it sucks. <laughs> right. Well, I was hoping that he would just uh, go to an American hockey team, but uh, yeah, I guess I. I mean, I, I mean, it helps out the Sens cap space. I'm yeah. fine with that. Yeah. Speaking keep, of keep paying your players, Toronto, keep doing. It. <laughs> Speaking of being biased here. Um, yeah, I, I will say I'm biased. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm biased too. But we'll 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 talk objectively next week. 
about the Austin Matthews contract um, and the Evan Bouchard contract um, and the Alexis Lafreniere contract as well. Um, yeah, so, uh, oh, and also it might not be on your, uh, because I'm going away next weekend, um, so we might, um, we might be, this recording might be in a, like a few days after what you expect it to be, um, but yeah, um, you can follow us on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast, our Facebook is Lace em Up, um, although I don't know if we have the Facebook anymore. Um, you can also subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify, wherever you, else you get your podcasts as well. Um, yeah, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 377 of the Lace Mo Podcast.